Can you imagine if I got up here and taught you some piece of morality in the manner in which Jesus just did in the gospel? So there's somebody who is in need, and the Anglican priest walks by and says, Nah, no thanks. And the Anglican parishioner walks by and says, No, 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 no. And the Muslim walks by and takes care of him, loves him, spends his money on him, does everything he can to make him well, and so forth and so on, like the Samaritan in the story. How would that fly? Yeah. Probably flew about the same way that Jesus' little story there flew with the lawyer. In order to fully comprehend it, you have to have some understanding of what a Samaritan actually is. So let's go back a little bit into the Old Testament. Now, Israel asked for a king and God gave him Saul. Saul was a good-looking man, tall, strong, excellent fighter. But his heart wasn't that right, was it? And so eventually he had to be gone, and he was And he picked David next. David wasn't much to look at. Uh, The best that could be said is he was kind of cute, maybe. Uh, He played his little harp and watched sheep. Not exactly the thing that you would think you'd need in order to go up against the Philistines and the other tribes in the area. But nevertheless, David was a man after God's own heart. And so though he did have his issues, uh, nevertheless, he remained faithful And so was instituted the Davidic covenant that the kings of David would someday sit on the throne forever. And, of course, that is fulfilled in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. (coughs) David had a son whose name was Solomon, wisest man ever to live, wrote the Book of Wisdom and a number of other Ecclesiastes and a number of other things. And uh, he had his issues. He had 900 wives and concubines. That's, That's too many even by Old Testament standards. And he had a son named Rehoboam. Now, during Solomon's time, they had been building a temple, and the temple cost a lot of money. And so Israel, as it was situated, was like this. In the north, there were the ten kingdoms, okay? Uh, The other tribes, there's Benjamin and Judah down here, the southern kingdom, and the northern ten tribes up here. Uh, Joseph was split in two, so it's Manasseh, Ephraim. But since uh, Levites didn't get a a place to settle, it works out to be ten. Did you follow that? Good. All right. So Rehoboam ascends to the throne. And Jeroboam, who was kind of the voice or the leader of the ten tribes up here, comes, comes down and says, hey, could you ease up on the taxes because it's been a real burden. Rehoboam was a young man and a fool, and he said to him, my thumb is bigger than my dad's waist, which is to say, if you thought that my dad's thumb on you was heavy, wait till you you feel the taxes I'm going to put on you. And so Jeroboam and the 10 tribes said, you do you and we'll, you know, and buy And they separated themselves from the Benjamin Judah, the southern kingdom. And thus you have a divided kingdom, northern kingdom, southern kingdom. 
And this went on for hundreds of years. The issue with the northern kingdom was, one, they could no longer go to Jerusalem to worship as God had prescribed, and that prescription was quite serious. God is concerned about the manner in which you worship him. You just don't do it any way you want. Take Uzzah, for instance, who was bringing the ark back in the cart and reached out to steady it and was struck dead because he wasn't doing the way it was supposed to be done. All the good intentions in the world did not save us. And so these people set up an altar up there. Can you imagine? They hired some Levites to come up there. And they mixed that with the worshiping other gods too. Ashtaroth and Baal and Molech and all that. Never, needless to say that the kings of the northern kingdom were all bad. Now in the south, there were good kings and bad kings. But they also had their idolatry. And we're going to get punished for that. In 722 BC, the northern kingdom was taken captive by Assyria and taken off into Assyria, which is today's Syria. It took a couple hundred more years, but in 588 BC, Babylon came in and exiled the southern kingdom, Benjamin Judah. Now, what happened in these exiles? Well, I mean, these guys were already syncretists, that is, mixing Judaism with other religions. But on top of that, they decided to intermarry with the Syrians, something that they were absolutely, by the laws of holiness that they were given to, you know, in the Levitical Code, they were not allowed to do that, and yet they did that. In the southern kingdom, who had been taken off to Babylon, they did not do that. They remained racially pure, which was, of course, the command of God. And so when they returned 70 years later, they rebuilt Jerusalem. It's the second temple. Um, the people who remember the first temple, when they laid the foundations, all the young people cheered and all the old people cried. How pitiful it was compared to the Temple of Solomon. And in, in a very unceremonious way, after Assyria gets you know, slaughtered by the Babylonians too, uh, those people kind of filter back down into the northern kingdom. And that is Samaria in the time of Jesus. They worship God at Jacob's well up there. Remember the woman at the well? There, she's a Samaritan, okay? And so their religious practices are not correct. They're not in Jerusalem on the altar that God prescribed. And they're not Jews. Racially, they're intermixed with Assyrians, Okay, And so these people are persona non grata to the Jew. They are traitors to the religion. And in fact, they don't even have the whole Bible. They only have the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's all they have. They don't have First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm, Proverbs, etc. They don't have Isaiah through Malachi. They have none of that. So the religion to the Jew is very, very incomplete. And they couldn't even eat with a Samaritan because they're not really a Jew. They're just this kind of half-breed. I know that's, that's offensive language, but that's, that's really how they saw them. And so when Jesus gives this story about this, the good Samaritan, well, they're, they're galled by it. How can this be? How can we find virtue in someone who doesn't worship God correctly? <clears throat> now, 
I suppose I was probably in my late teens, early 20s in college when I first encountered the virtuous non-Christian, the Christian that was patient, and con- the non-Christian that was patient and kind and filled with joy and had inner peace and et cetera, et cetera. The virtuous non-Christian. And there's two ways that you can take that. You can take that with pride and say, well, yeah, but you know, they blah, blah, blah. They don't worship God correctly or whatever. Or you can take it to heart like the rebuke that it is. That they would do for a lie what you will not do for the truth. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.